Weekend Breakfast with Refilo Mpakanyane on 702. Nikki Bush is a speaker, she is an author and uh, a parenting and human potential expert and uh, we're doing what she does best this morning which is to focus on parenting and making sure you you know you 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 as much as possible as 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 um as close as possible you get to that uh, bullseye of uh, raising a child that reaches the full potential realizes the full potential uh, and on the journey to all of that is um developmental milestones which we often pay quite close attention to as parents but how tightly should we, we be holding on to those uh, developmental milestones is part of what we'll be addressing. Morning Nikki. Good morning Rufiwe. So when we talk developmental milestones are we just uh, talking uh, infancy years, toddler years um, are we talking right through to I guess um, adulthood? Well, it actually does go through to adulthood, but I think the ones that we're most concerned about in childhood are the obvious ones. You know, parents, in a way, are almost comparing their children to each other. You think about yourself when in those first three years, particularly. And then I would say parents are hyper-aware probably until about the age of seven. You know, it's those first seven years that are so critical to the foundations of a child's life in the future. And a lot of them concern things like movement to begin with. You know, is my child sitting? Is my child standing? Is my child crawling, walking? All of those things. So maybe we should start in those early years because, you know, that's uh, that's when parents can want to perhaps speed their children up. You know, my child must be doing better mm-hmm. if they're getting to the next milestone quicker. And actually, slow sometimes is better. More is not necessarily better. Sure. And and that's quite an interesting comment to make, actually, because we think that if our children progress through those milestones quicker, they must be smarter. They must be ahead of the pack. <laughs> <laughs> Well, exactly. To that point, right? Uh, it's 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 important to gauge or understand what is fueling this need for being to, uh, or for um, racing through these milestones. And much of it is, you know, based in competitive parenting, being ahead of the pack. But in many ways, Nikki, you're also proposing that there should be panic as well. Um, as you said, slower might be better. Why do you say slower might be better? And how do we know that uh, slower is just what it is, slower and not problematic or yeah, cause so, for concern. So, so, you know, parenting is, yes, there's lots of feeding and cleaning and sleeping and all of those things, but it's more about helping your child to develop. And development actually unfolds in stages over time. And yes, they're marked by generally accepted milestones. But those milestones are not cast in stone because no two children, no two babies or toddlers are identical. But Every milestone is a marker that shows a parent there is progress. And I think that word progress is a good word to use, that there are, there's progress and another part of the brain has just developed. And what I want to say here is that thoughts that never possess the body never possess the mind. Mm. Thoughts that never possess the body never possess the mind. And actually in, in childhood, in fact, in most of, of being a human being, the body is the architect of the brain. The brain is not separate to the body. So all of those initial milestones in those first few years often concern movement. And, 
And if you actually think about a baby who's, who you know, comes out of the womb, who's been in that fetal position for all that time, and suddenly they start to open up. And I just love the uncurling of the body mm. because it's actually about this kind of becoming part of the big wide world and there's more surface area for sensory experiences. And those sensory experiences are based in kind of curiosity, you know, playing with the world, engaging with the world with more of my body. And that's not a a conscious thought. This is something that is just innately in a human being. And it is so completely fascinating how a baby will roll over and lift up its head and start exploring the world through movement because actually they're curious about what's behind the couch, what's outside the door (laughs) how does this work you know it's all those whys and hows and that curiosity propels a child to want to see more of the world to want to experience more and if you think about the fact that once a child sits up or stands up or is mobile they can explore more and and that's at the basis of all this development so we have to also be very wary of and parents who are very busy want to contain that very busy child who needs to move to explore to grow to push through those milestones you know if you keep them in their little baby chairs for too long if you keep them confined for too long they can't do that exploration so there's an absolute link between curiosity exploration and moving through those milestones and a child or a baby is rewarded because they can actually do more when they shift through a milestone. And the parents rewarded for their consistent and loving, loving effort. And you think about when your mm, child you know, first crawls or takes those first steps, aren't you there just clapping and cheering on and going, <laughs> come to mummy, come to mummy. Yeah, <laughs> and immensely proud of yourself and, the, and, and your child, of course. Yeah, for getting them there, you know, for yeah. getting them to that point. <laughs> but interestingly, they won't actually get to that point. Mm. Unless they are neurologically ready. And that involves a huge amount of repetition. And if we actually think about a baby, a baby should perform in the region of 50,000 crawling movements to wire the brain in preparation for the fine motor skills of reading and writing. And that's because that bilateral integration of both sides of the body moving at the same time actually causes integration of the left and right sides of the brain. I mean, the body and the brain connection is truly miraculous Mm, and truly, truly remarkable. Mm, Absolutely. So I I guess we're at this point, Nikki, um, uh, what you call the bedding down of milestones uh, and the fact that consolidation is important. Just talk talk us further through that. Okay, so talking, you know, I've just mentioned 50,000 crawling movements, you know, and that's consolidation because that is about laying down myelin, which is the fatty substance in the brain, and making that neurological pathway fire smartly, efficiently, and quickly. If a child doesn't consolidate, then that the strength of the neurological pathway will not be there because there hasn't been that laying down of of myelin. And what happens in the brain, it's an amazing thing. Uh, If a neurological pathway is not used often enough, the brain will prune it out. Mm. 
it will just dissolve it. It will get rid of it. So what you do want is for your child to crawl for as long as possible, actually. And that is one of the phases that parents want to get their children through as quickly as possible mm-hmm. and into standing up and walking. But actually, as long as your child is crawling, the brain development and the body development is happening without you even kind of seeing it. They are con- making so many connections. So don't push your child through that phase. Let them consolidate that and lay down lots of this fatty substance because actually it will make the walking and the talking and everything else better. And that's what so many parents actually don't realize is that that effect of myelination takes place through repetitive body movement all the time, which is why we warn against too much screen time, Mm. too much time sitting or not moving for children because they need to be exploring the world with their bodies, which will in turn create that, um, the mental development, the spatial development, the eye-hand coordination, the eye-foot coordination, and all the spatial planning that is so necessary for being able to read, write, balance letters and numbers on lines. You know, we, we, we take it for granted that when our one year, when our, our grade one stands up and reads their first book to us, mm. and that book usually contains one word, and it, it's one word that's on every page. And I remember my child, my, both my children's first book only had the word look in it. <laughs> yeah. And they stood there very proudly in front of me, and they read this 10-page book. Look, look. Look, look. (laughs) And you want to burst with pride. My child can read. But actually, we don't understand what went before that to enable the reading to take place. And so much of it starts with the sitting, the crawling, the walking, and all of those things that are so important for everything. Yeah. So, Nikki, I mean, you know, conversations like this are always welcome and very, very necessary. And, you know, we fetishized um, parenting and these milestones quite a lot. Uh, You know, and of course, there's there's the industry that comes along with it that benefits from this fetishization or parental anxiety. Um, And then, of course, you get the social media aspect of it. And then, you know, we've got the kids on the gram and now we're showing off um, our child's milestones and how they've reached them or breached them, etc., etc. So there's a lot of parental anxiety um, that's being experienced. Sometimes, as, as, as you're saying, it can, it can of course be real, but sometimes it can be unfounded. It can be based in unrealistic expectations, right? How, how do you generally advise um, parents to deal with that anxiety? Is it a matter of, you know, running to a professional every other moment? Is it also a matter of, you know, basically dealing with your concerns in a sort of um, uh, private space and not necessarily making them the child's problem? Because, ah. <laughs> a lot of a lot of people are prone to going. You know, I, I was being very um, I was being very extreme and joking about people uh, or parents showing off about you know that child's twenty five sight words at the age of two. But you know, the things like that where a child is now being forced to learn things that you know are quite advanced for someone who you know has only recently learned to sit up and run and be you know mobile and independent. Sure. So. I think the important word here is common sense, which is actually not so common anymore. And that common sense that 
that um, my child is moving through those milestones. They're not stuck. They're not not reaching their milestones. And is your child happy? Is your child exploring the world? I think that's a very important thing. Is your child interested in the world? Are they exploring? I'll tell you what I hear the most often from parents in terms of what is a problem, and this is a problem. When parents come to me and say, my three-year-old or my four-year-old is not crawling, or my three or four-year-old is not speaking, and that's getting quite late in the day. And that, you know, you would, you would want to know if, you, if there was a deficit there. You would want to know if there was a learning difficulty. Now, if your child is in a good play-based preschool with well-trained teachers, they will pick things up because obviously they're looking at the average mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a group. They will pick up if there are delays in certain children. But you also have to bear in mind, when was your child born? Okay. Because if your child is in a class with a lot of children who are born in the first half of the year, and say your child is a December baby, your child's going to be behind most of the children. And so when I say common sense applies, you really do need to look at where is your child born amongst this group of children. And so when you measure their progress against them, you might have to make allowances for the fact that your child might be a good six or more months behind a lot of the children in that class. And hey, in the first six years, that makes a big difference, a huge difference. And I think most parents don't think about that particular fact. All right, something very important to keep in mind. And I guess you're also reminding us that uh, indeed it does take a village. So uh, where you can be, you know, circumspect and choosy about where you place your child, you know, uh, school-wise and ECD-wise, it absolutely does help choosing the right fit for your child and finding um, that that school, that institution, that organization and teachers and principals um, who are attuned to your needs and the needs of a growing child. Yes, and you know, there's lots to read out there, and I mustn't go overboard, but I'll just tell you that there are two books that I would recommend parents look at, and the one is called Sensible Stimulation by Margaret Gray, The Key to Your Child's Development During the First Three Years of Life. So it's very easy to read and really, really sensible advice. Um, And the other one is Play, Learn, Know. And that is from Dr. Melody Diaga and Liz Victor. And it's all about how a child is a work in progress. Mm-hmm. And it's all about fun ways to stimulate your child. Let's not, not go overboard stimulating. Let's have fun. Let's do it gently. And never, ever forget that your children are multi-sensory learners. Mm-hmm. So they need to hear your voice. They need to move. You need to roll on the ground with your children. You need to be crawling with your children. You know, it's all about interacting with other human beings and the world. All right. Well, speaking of uh, multi sensory and play and fun um, whilst learning and discovering your the toy that you're taking a look at this morning is uh, called Orboot by Play Shifu. Tell us about this augmented reality globe. So this is 
quite interesting. And what, what fascinates me about this particular product is that many children today are lacking in general knowledge. You know, we say, you know, it's, our kids don't need to know facts. They can just Google them. But when they're in a conversation where they have to sound intelligent one day, actually, I do hope that my children know where Hong Kong is. I hope that they know what the largest river in Germany is, because if it's coming up in a conversation about climate change, mm. they better not have to go, gee, I better quickly Google this in the middle of a conversation with someone who might actually be offering me a job. So, <laughs> so, so this brings um, the, the world alive for children. And when you say augmented reality, they're going to get their bearings on the world. They've got this beautiful, lovely, big, colorful globe in front of them and what they do need to interact with this globe is an ipad or an iphone or an android device and so it works hand in glove you download the app which is very quick by the way i did it on my iphone and um as your child holds the the device over a particular part of the world so it might be a camel in saudi arabia so there are particularly iconic things on this mm. globe. That camel will come alive on, 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 the, on the tablet or the iPad. And then they get to learn facts about it or do a quiz about it. Or there's so many different things. So this is all about learning about animals, cuisines, cultures, inventions, maps, and monuments related to a particular country. Yes. And, and it's really fun because it comes with a little passport. Like It's so like lifelike. It's mm. even got, you know, those those hard plasticized pages that come in a modern passport Um, and it comes with a little ink stamp and they can stamp their way through the world as they visit countries (laughs) with flags and stickers of the world so they can keep track of their journeys and discoveries as they go comes with eight in eight languages this particular app so if you wanted them to learn another language they could and it's a product that I think will grow with your child from around five, six years of age, probably through to about 10 or so. And they'll explore more than 400 wonders of the world. They'll see the world in 3D, learn over a thousand facts. And I think it's a lot about research, listening, mm. associations, general knowledge, of course, patience and problem solving. So this actually will give your children issues like the Nile River is drying up and this is the impact of it. How do you think you could solve this problem? And they have to do some critical thinking. So there's geography and environmental science and social science. And it's pretty well priced, actually. It's about eight ninety nine. That's the average price. I think on Take a Lot they're seven ninety nine at the moment, and you can get this at Take a Lot, Toys R Us, and the I Store. There are actually three variations, Rafael. Where there's the Earth, which is the one I'm talking about today. Sure. There's also Dinos and there's Mars, and I think actually the two that have landed in South Africa are Earth and Dinos. So this is Orboot by Play Shufu, and it's eight ninety nine and you can get it at Take Lot, Toys R Us and the iStore. Yeah, I think it sounds absolutely fabulous uh, and relevant for uh, right through the foundation stages. It makes me think of a, a big, thick book that my mom bought me uh, growing up <laughs> called The Big the big book of what do you know and it was just this encyclopedia of strange bizarre facts and I took a lot of pride in remembering these things and you know busting them yeah. out from time to time and saying hey did you know <laughs> yeah, it's I fun love, yeah. you know those, those did you know books you yeah. know with all those facts and beautiful artwork and pictures and this I guess is a 3D version of that and it's got 
visual visual stuff, storytelling, music, voice interactions, as well as in-app quizzes and challenges. So they really will be challenged to solve some of the environmental problems mm. of the world and just generally have some fun. Yeah. And I think uh, fun with facts is it's fun. It's good fun. Lovely stuff. Nikki Bush, thank you so much. A pleasure as usual. Uh, looking forward to actually, I lie, I lie. Before I let you go, really, really quickly, uh, an interesting one. I think many parents have come across this. I just spotted this SMS as I was scrolling down, Nikki. Uh, it's a comment, maybe a question. It says, My son never crawled. He got around by hopping on his bum before he walked. <laughs> Can you well, comment on this, Nikki? That's pretty common, is, right? <laughs> yeah, locomotion in any form is good. Yeah. And and as long as they are moving, that's important. There are other things you can do to make sure they're doing this left brain, right brain integration, but you probably find he found a way. Yes, and, yes, yes. And that's what's important, um, that your child is not sedentary, that they're not stuck and not moving. Fantastic stuff. Looking forward to our next conversation, Nikki. Uh, and of course, Nikki Bush's uh, latest book is uh, called uh, Future Proof Yourself, uh, nikkibush.com.